welcome to a live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Joined with co-host Trey Patterson, and I'll introduce him in just a few. Just want to tell everyone, thank you for joining us tonight on this special episode. We will be staff-picked, and it will start, I think, Friday morning at, at midnight. So make sure you, you tune in there as well. We have a lot to cover tonight. We have assistant coach for the Tennessee Volunteers, Derek Led, in studio actually at 9.30 with a live interview with us. We're very excited about this interview. Uh, we've got a lot of questions for Coach, so hopefully he's got a few minutes to join us. And, Trey, I won't bring you in. I have to give you your introduction music first, right? <laughs> hey, man, you know you know I'm not a diva. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to do it anyway. Here we go. I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who are trained to kill me, so don't think for one second that you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. That's one of the best quotes of all time, by far. So I had to play that for you, man. All right, man. Let's let, let, let's get going, man. There's a lot of stuff to cover, man. It's been a an action-packed week, Carvin. you got an NBA free agency, baseball, uh, stuff going on, and of course, man, it's July, which means we're we're talking football too. Well, Trey, if I'm breathing and I'm alive, we're talking football. So just remember <laughs> that, man. Always talking football, but but yeah, so much going on, and and we have to cover this first because this is huge news in the NBA. You know, forever we're talking uh, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, all this, and now all of a sudden the Boston Celtics surprised me today with Brad Stevens. Uh, the ex Butler coach Trey signing with the Green. What do you think about this? Is this a is this a good move? Well, I mean, you got to think that um, with um, Brad Stevens, his pedigree, and the fact that he was courted by so many college programs, and he would not jump ship. And it, it, it turns out he made a fantastic move. Um, Boston Celtics. I mean, this guy is is you know. To quote a movie, head to toe legit. So I think it's a fantastic hire for Boston. You have a guy who is um, young and energetic on the cutting edge of coaching. And what do you have? You know, with Boston, Tarvin, you have a young team who's going to be very young, with or without Rondo. Um, and you know, what a better guy to bring it in. Well, you know, first when I heard this, someone messaged me and said Brad Stevens to the Lakers, and and I thought that was a terrible move. But when you say the Celtics, Trey, you're exactly right. These are young guys looking to be molded. Danny Ainge picked Stevens because of his moral values and and his discipline and, and really the players that buy into him and respect him. It's a perfect match. The only person losing in this is Butler, Trey. How do they – what do they do and where do they go? Is Butler a big enough name now to maybe lure a good coach to that program? Well, I think Butler, especially with their move in conference themselves, are big enough to attract at least a a coach. Uh, unlike Stevens when he came in, I mean, he was you know no a no name guy, really didn't have sort of any any other really way, places to go. I think Butler can draw. Uh, based on their their NCAA performances, based on the fact that you know they had two uh, finals appearances with with Brad Stevens, so I mean they're going to be able to pull someone in. I mean it's not going to be, um, you know, 
you're not going to be pulling Billy Donovan out of Florida, but you're going to be able to pull uh, probably a very young, another very young coach, and who hopefully can spend six years. I mean, because you got to think, you know, Butler has to have uh, a very good attitude about this. I mean, what a great win for them for the last six years. I mean, he put their program on the map when it comes to college basketball, and we all know who Butler is, and it's because of him. You know, Butler is is on the map now, and and being in Indiana, that's a tough tough place to be put on the map when you have the Hoosiers, especially when they're successful. But great job. But do you think that this move to Boston is actually taking a job to to the next step of his career, maybe getting to a North Carolina, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky job? No, I I don't think you go up to the NBA to come back down. I mean, obviously, if it doesn't work out in the NBA – but I think, I mean, I think the reason why that you have a guy who, I mean, let's be honest, he had offers to go to plenty of big schools. I mean, uh, he had uh, people trying to get him to big-time universities, whether it was USC or, or whatever. He had plenty of big-name schools coming for him. Um, but I think he he was holding out for the perfect opportunity, and, you know, given the chance that he gets – um, maybe a long leash with Boston. Maybe Danny Ainge said, "Hey, look, we know we're not going to be good for a while, but we're going to give you, you know, I think they have five picks, first-round picks in the next couple of years. We're going to give you the mm-hmm. chance to recruit some of your own talent uh, and do what you did at Butler here. So, um, giving him the keys for the next couple of years may be a really fantastic decision because I mean I think he's going to have a very long leash there because of that. Look, I mean, regardless of how he's going to do, I think Danny Ainge." just made a grand slam hire trade. Boston fans out there, if you're going to replace a coach like Doc Rivers and you want to start over, I mean, I can't think, honestly, of a better coach for this position right now, Trey, in this situation with everything that we're talking about. Who could you think of that would be a better fit? Well, you know, with you know the fact that is you're going to be um, putting a young face to a new fran- to an old franchise – and really giving them some energy. I mean, one of the things that, you know, Boston had seen, you know, since their championship is everyone talking about how old the Celtics are. You know, Doc Rivers, the the, the talk was, well, he may retire. I mean, he's going to leave the game. Well, now, whether you build around Rondo, and I think I think they're still going to trade Rondo. I think they're going to tear this, this, this car completely down to the ground. I think Rondo gets traded and maybe in the season, but I don't think he plays the full season with the Celtics. And you're going to give him and say, hey, okay, here, build us something from scratch. Here's all these draft picks, you know, and, that, and that's what they're going to go off of. You know, you have, you know, done a lot with not only with Butler, what we like with, with Stevens is, you know, the, him being able to recruit pretty solid kids to Butler, but he also turned very solid kids into really great players. I mean, that's one of the things he was able to do. So he's a coach who can coach up talent, and that's what they need in Boston right now. Well, how many times do you remember just, you know, at the, the time uh, Stevens was at Butler, how many Butler players was arrested, Trey? <laughs> uh, I can't remember one of them. Exactly. And and I think these guys, I mean, it's not that they fear him or anything. I think he's he's just a perfect fit. The guys, you have to like this guy. Who doesn't like Coach Stevens, Trey? Who doesn't like this guy and what he did at Butler? I, I've never heard one person speak bad of him, ever. And I think right. that speaks a lot of any coach. So now these players come in, and I think you're right. They have to, they have to get rid of Rondo as well. Rondo to me is a great player, but 
I mean, is he going to think he's over the coach, really? Is he going to think he's bigger than the coach and the team? That's what I'm interested to see if he stays around with the loss of Garnett and Pierce and, and Doc. Yeah, and Tarvin, there's not a coach who has played or coached uh, Ray John Rondo who has not disliked him. I mean, the guy is a terrible locker room figure. He is a guy who thinks that um, basically that he's better than the team or better than the coach. And so a lot, you know, whether Stevens can relate to him on a different level will be will be something they may try. And I think Danny Ainge may say, okay, let's see how this works, and maybe if Stevens says, look, you know, maybe this guy, let's see what we can get for him. Uh, but it is one of those situations where Rondo really has been uh, a player who has historically uh, battled with his coach. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think Rondo, and, and I've never been in a locker room with him, of course, but I think eventually get, getting with the right people, getting with the right coach and the right the player, he could do okay. But I don't think it's at Boston right now. And uh, Trey's going to call back in. And I'm just going to keep going just for a second. But, but Rondo is one of those players that I can't get a feel for his attitude, really, how he'll fit with Boston. So I think I'm leaning with Trey on this one, that they're going to get rid of him or at least hope he has a good first half of the season next year to, to help some of these younger guys along and then trade him away. I don't think Boston's a playoff team yet, but, you know, in the next few years, I really do expect him to turn it around. But I'm still under the impression that even though he's going to the NBA, I think he wants to come back to college eventually. And going from Butler to Kansas, North Carolina, and do places like that, with that being the only place on your resume, I think it's it's a little more difficult. But going from Butler and having a, a successful career, Trey, if you, say, if you think about it, if he has a successful career in the NBA as well, he can name his job anywhere he wants. Yeah, that may be possible, man. But, you know, you see most coaches um, – Tarvin, who go back to the uh, from in, in a, excuse me NBA to college, have generally not had a lot of success in, in the NBA. So, I mean, I think his success in what he does with the Boston Celtics will be the barometer of where he goes, whether it's uh, to maintain his NBA coaching career uh, and become you know very you know long you know have a longevity type career, or whether he has to go back to college. And if he does go back to college, um, it'll depend on how well he does, even to see you know what level of college he can go back to. Yeah, I think he's the kind of guy that's going to go back to college and eventually. I mean, he, if he wins a championship or something, of course, I mean, you, it's hard to go back. But if he gets to the NBA and he's he's a above 500 coach and he's just not feeling it anymore, I believe he'll go back because there's a big difference between college basketball and the NBA. You know that. But tell me about Butler. Let's focus on the team that that is at home crying right now. Who do they get to replace him, and, and really how do they sell Butler again without Stevens there? Because he could recruit, you know, with, I mean, Butler could sell itself, especially with Stevens, but now he's gone. I mean, what does that what does that say about Butler, really? Well, I, mean, I don't think it says anything about Butler that he left. I think, um, you know, Butler now, uh, it's a great time for him to leave, though. I mean, Butler, uh, you're done with recruiting, so at least, you know, for the year. So Butler has a chance. They have their players. So a coach knows who, what you know, what players he has, what pieces he has uh, to come in. So Butler can now take a little bit of time uh, and make the right call. And who that person is, I mean, I honestly, uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, it's going to be one of those scenarios where I don't think we're going to know the coach who comes in. I, I just, or it's going to be one of the coaches who um, may have success at a very small school. I, I just, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Butler does 
I mean, what kind of name they can pull, if any name, or if they go and try to find another Brad Stevens, you know, Diamond in the Rough. Well, I'm going to make a prediction here on air so y'all can all listen. If he's at Boston a couple of years, say everything's going okay, Mike Krzyzewski retires for some reason, gets hit by a train, uh, Duke comes and asks ask him to come, I guarantee you, Trey, he drops Boston and he heads to Duke. Do you want to make a bet on that? I don't think uh, I don't think that bet would ever come to fruition. So I think Coach K is going to be a little, little bit longer. How old is he? Ninety-eight now and still going strong. <laughs> uh, he's going strong for sure. Yeah, Coach K. I mean, he's going to retire eventually. And what I'm saying is, a name like Kansas, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky comes. And I mean, look, college is a game that I think he actually loves. He loves Butler, but let's get real, guys. It's Butler. I mean, you're going to leave your first job to go somewhere else to make more money and just to add to your resume. You can't just have a resume if you're Stevens and just say Butler on it, really, and that's all your success. You have to at least take it to that next level and see what you can do. And right now, the main colleges are not, you know, offering openings. They don't have any openings right now, so he's going to go somewhere to get his name out. Think about it, Trey. They're going to the Big East, uh, the revamped Big East, actually. So do you think that's part of his decision to leave now? Oh no! I think going, you know, what Butler's doing is 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 good. I mean, they're going to you know a very good basketball conference as a good name for recruiting wise. I mean, you know, so uh, the fact that they're going in the Big East, I don't I don't think is a reason why he's leaving. I think he's leaving as Boston Celtics just handed him the keys to a Porsche. Yeah, so that's that's a good story today. You know, right before the Fourth of July, I'm getting tired of the Dwight Howard talk, Trey and. And all of this diva stuff, the Lakers want him. He's going to Houston. Where does he end up? He said he's going to make his decision by Friday real quick. I don't want to spend but 20 seconds on this guy. Where do you think he's going to end up? I think uh, I think he, if he's smart, I think it's Houston. I think it's the best fit for him as a person. Uh, I give the Lakers probably the best chance. Ooh, the Lakers, huh? Do you think he's yeah, going you know, to go you know, with Kobe? Yeah, I mean, I, I still I don't think it's going to happen. I think they have the best chance. Uh, you know, my prediction was that he would leave the Lakers, you know, as soon as he signed the Lakers. If you recall on our show, I said this won't last more than a year. Uh, so I think it's Houston, but uh, I think still I think, I think the Lakers have the best chance because, you know, you're playing into a Divas personality. All right, Trey, we're going to step away just for 30 seconds. We're going to pay some bills. Thinking about right switching back. telephone service for your business to voice over IP, but you don't know where to start? We'd like to tell you about Clear Voice VIP from Telesystems. It has more features than traditional phone service, is more reliable, and can save you up to 60%. Call us toll-free at 866-608-7182. Clear Voice VIP is business class phone service you can count on. 866-608-7182. All right, we are back. And just to remind everyone, at 9.30, about 14 minutes from now, Coach Derek Lett from the Tennessee Volunteers Trade will be joining us. And we'll bring on Sonia as well to ask him questions. I'm excited. Yeah, and just before we get on, uh, just, you know, people, uh, you know, if you're listening, you have a question, feel free to call in. Uh, you know, we, we'll screen it and make sure that, uh, that you know, you, he has time to get on and take it. If you have questions in the chat room, you know, like any interview we, we do, hit us up in the chat room and we we may get you on air. So Exactly. The only thing we can't talk about is, Actually, the recruits that haven't signed with Tennessee yet, we can't ask those kind of questions, so let's be respectful of that. Trey, keep me in line, okay? 
Yeah, I mean, no hating on on Tennessee. I know uh, Auburn fans, Tarvin. <laughs> no, I, I mean, was going to get Bruce the, the in- to call in and sing Rocky Top for us. What do you? Well, think? I know. As I was thinking, I was just just about to say that is, hey, Cuervo. You know this this. You know, I, I'm expecting some questions, man. Yeah, Cuervo is going to. That's the only reason he's here tonight. And my studio is giving me fits tonight. So if I I peel off just for a second. Bear with me a minute. Um, I want to get to the Major League Baseball real quick, Trey. You know, a lot of discussion right now about this Dodger out here, this rookie that's taken the nation by storm that Colin Coward's in love with. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about this kid. How do you say it? Puig? Is that Puig? Puig, yeah. I mean, Puig, yeah. So, you know, the the great, the interesting thing that really, I mean, not only the fact that if you look at his numbers, you know, and see what he's done with the eight home runs and you know the 47 hits and the four, you know the four, the hitting over 400. He's done it in about a month, and, and sort of the the conversation that Colin Cowherd and other guys have been talking about is Jonathan Papelbon came out and said that you know he hasn't done enough. He, he he's just too soon into the game to be an all star. Um, and his his commentary was this, Tarvin. This is the way it breaks down. So. And then we'll get Tarvin's perspective there, listeners. If you guys have a perspective, uh, Tarvin, you can give the call-in number. We'll see what people think. But, you know, he said, hey, look, uh, a guy who plays, you know, a month of the season doesn't deserve it. That's Papelbon's uh, response. And, and Cowherd said, hey, man, you only pitched 48 innings your rookie year, and you made the all-star team. You're a closer. You pitch one inning a game. You know, if anybody should be griping about this, it shouldn't be a closer. So, that's kind of the argument on Puig. The guy's just absolutely raking over 400 in his first month in the big league. So, Tarvin, should he be an all-star? No. No. I'm going to go against you on this one. I, I think I know what you're going to say, Trey. And I'm going to say no because of, of the reason of baseball. It's about a whole first half of the season, um, how your team, how you're performing on the field. The guy's played less than a month, even though he, he's doing great right now. How many times have you seen a player come in and actually perform well his first few weeks and then the pitchers figure him out and shut him down? I'm not saying, you know, they're going to do that, but Bo Jackson, they, they remind him of Bo Jackson, Vlad Guerrero a little bit the way he does. But, look, I mean, the season started a while back, and there's a lot of players out there that deserve it. The only thing I will tell you, though, is now that the All-Star game counts, it's not an exhibition game. It decides home field advantage in the World Series. That's another argument you can say, well, we want the best players out there. But the fans are going to vote, Trey. Whether they put him on there or not, I don't know. But will a coach put him on there? I'll ask you that. Will a coach add him to the all-star roster for the the benefit of having someone like him there to help win, not just for the fans? Well, yeah, and that's in a really interesting perspective. I mean, so, you know, Jason Minson agrees with you. He said, he, you know, you got to pay your dues. The counter argument to that is this, and there's a couple ways, and I, I think he should be an all-star, and I think it's clear that he should. Um, there are a lot of guys who make the all-star game based on basically a month of hitting. You know, a, a great example of that is, is Mark Teixeira. The guy, if you look at historically his his splits per month, doesn't show up for at least a month and a half to begin the season. Like he's usually hitting around 200, maybe a homer or two. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gets hot in June. So, and there's more guys like that. And they make the all-star team year in and year out. And I know Teixeira's out this year. It was an injury. But the point can be made that, look, 
you know, the All-Star Game is about, one, about fans, so it's a popularity contest, and two, it's about streaking. I mean, you get hot at the right time right before the All-Star Game, and a lot of guys get in. I mean, you have guys who are hitting 280 uh, who make the All-Star team, but they were really hot in the month of June. So uh, I think that uh, with that, Tarvin, you brought up a good point, that is, if the All-Star Game counts, don't you want the guy who's raking the most in your lineup? Don't you want... You know, if you have a guy at second and third, and you have a reserve on your bench, don't you don't you want it to be Puig who is just raking at almost 500? I mean, the guy is almost getting to hit every other at bat. I mean, isn't the guy you want if you're down a run with two guys on? Yeah, and then Trey, you made a point when you talked about Teixeira. You said his history really shows, you know, how he performs. He does it a month, but. At least he has history. All the fans and players know that Teixeira takes a month off, and then he he has a history of being a great player, though, and he can rake as well. That's the problem I have with Pui. He doesn't have any kind of background yet, and is he an all-star after just a month on the Dodgers team? I mean, he had, I mean, he's batting what 450 almost in right. a month. That's crazy, and he has great strength. He can play defense. Is he an all-star? Yeah, I mean, he's a great athlete, but has he proven himself? Uh, above the other players out there. I mean, you can look at it the ways we just looked at it, but if I'm a coach out there, Trey, if I'm coaching that all-star team and my team's in the wild card hunt or getting into the playoffs, I want him on the team just because he gives you a better chance to win. I mean, he can he can knock it out of the park. He can get on base and help you win. That's really what you're there for. Well, how about let's go back and make it an exhibition again, the all-star game, and then we can put whoever we want to in there. Right, and I think with that, you know, you're talking about – you know, and and this is where it comes. You know, for manager, you ask what a manager put him on. I, I don't think he's going to get voted on. I don't think he's too far behind in the vote. But it really comes down from a manager. Say, so yeah, Bruce Bochy, who's who's managing this game, and you have one the fact that the Dodgers and the Giants do not get along. So you have uh, you know some stuff going on with them that not only in just the history, but this year. So you know, does Bruce Bochy, who also is an old timer. I mean, this guy is like this is guy is an old time coach. He coaches baseball, you know, the way that a lot of people think it should be played, the old way. And so, does he, out of tradition, say, "No, man, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't think he's earned it yet." Um, so that's an interesting choice. But then also maybe Tarvin, he's got that split dichotomy where he thinks, "Hey, you know, I want to win this game too because you know my team has a legitimate shot to get in the postseason." Well, I'll tell you something interesting. Don Mattingly said in an interview about him today, I believe, that he rem- he's never seen a player with that much power, that much ability since Bo Jackson. And that's saying a lot, looking at the strength of Bo and his athletic ability, Trey. I mean, Don Mattingly, I don't believe, really thinks he should be in the all-star game right now. That's his own manager. Am I wrong on that, that, that Don Mattingly well, said he didn't really think he should be in? I, I haven't heard that one, Thorvid, so I, I, I'll okay. take your word for okay. it on that one. Okay, I'm just if you're in the chat room right now, let us know if you know what Don Mattingly said, and um, we'll get that on the air. But Don's an old-school guy, and if you want to call in, 646-716-5564. I want to shout out to some people in the chat room. We have Bruce Coward, Jason Minson, Jonathan Miklos, Paul Ewing, Sonia Minson, Cuervo, and Trey and myself, so people starting to come into the chat room. Thank you for spending your Wednesday evening with us before the 4th. We really appreciate it, and we're about five minutes away uh, from the interview with Coach Lettray. And and just, just looking at this, though, I mean, the All-Star game, what is it now? I mean, what does it mean? I mean, a lot of the time I look at it, and I think it's 
it's almost a joke, kind of like the Pro Bowl and the All-Star game. But in a way, this, this really counts, and it means something. So I have two different ways to view this, but I think he has a better chance of getting on with the fans, honestly, Trey, because I don't think a coach is going to make that decision, really, and be the skate and, and, and get ridiculed like that because baseball's our pastime, and, and there's a lot of history, a lot of things that goes with baseball. I mean, it's tradition. And I don't think you really break tradition too much. I don't know if there's a coach out there that really has the stones to break it. Right. Hey, and I want to get Paul Ewing uh, from our chat room on the air right now. He said, uh, I'm not sure Dodgers manager Don Manley told the herd with Colin Cowherd on ESPN Radio on Wednesday when asked if Puig uh, should play in this month's All-Star game. He said every day does he does something unbelievable. He's making more and more of the case um, that he's a guy who should at least be looked at. I think you have to earn the berth, but he's shown that he has to be up there earlier. He would have been um, the guy everyone would have been talking about to have been up there for sure. So, you know, hey, thanks a lot, Paul, for, for pointing that out. Um, you know, so interesting comments. I mean, Don Mattingly, that sounds like a uh, a very sort of a, uh, almost tacit endorsement, not an outright endorsement for him being in the All-Star game. So maybe he's battling some of those old-school feelings there, Tarvin. Yeah, exactly. I was going to make a joke right there, but I'm not going to tonight. I'm not in the joking mood. So uh, <laughs> we'll stay right there a minute. Hey, we're going to step away just one second for a, for a small commercial break. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt? Or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt. Well, Actionwear Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionwear, where your design comes to life. All right, we are back. And any vote in the chat room on should he he go to the All-Star game or not, I think I'm seeing split, Trey really, when I'm looking in the chat room. Yeah, it was split, just like our question in the chat room I asked earlier. I said, you know, where is Dwight Howard going to to wind up? And I think Houston was the uh, favorite by a little bit. Uh, So we're split in the chat room on that one. I think a lot of people had Lakers. And and then this one, Tarvin, uh, we have yes and no on both. So it looks like we're split all the way in the chat room on both these issues. So just kind of shows you that – you know, a kid in Puig who's been in the show for a month uh, can garner attention both ways. You know, um, some people are very for him, and some people are very against him. I think, I think he's earned it. I mean, he's been in the show for a month. He's hitting, he's hitting 450. He was hitting 301. Tarvin with five home runs, and you know, that's a different story. Um, but you know, 458, you know, eight home runs. Man, that's a that's a good first half for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think Papelbon's comments, Trey, were totally out of line and unacceptable, really. I think if you're a class act person, um, you would say you would never say that. What do you think Derek Jeter would say if he was asked that? Do you think he would make some smart aleck comment like that, degrading a young player? No, I, I think, you know, Jeter's got more class than that. Um, but, you know, speaking of the Yankees, Tarvin, well, real quick when we're talking about it, uh, Alex Rodriguez did not have a first uh, first impression down at, down in minor leagues for his rehab start. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think the Yankees? I mean, they really need him back. Well, if you look at their third base this year, what have they had? Like eight home runs total from that position, and just a few RBIs. 
So, yeah, I mean, A-Rod coming back as he is now will add something to that lineup. But, I mean, the team's playing well considering all the injuries. I just worry about, you know, the locker room now with him coming back, what kind of camaraderie, you know, they have now, what will it be like if he comes back. I think it could go downhill, actually. Well, I mean, and that's the, you know, we'll see, Tarvin, because, I mean, here's the, here's the big deal on that. I mean, uh, if, if with A-Rod being a lightning rod as it is for just controversy and for the steroids issue, which we're still waiting on the MLB investigation into whether he's going to be even suspended again for steroids. I mean, this guy being 38, having all these injuries, you now, I mean, we saw him get pinch hit for in the postseason because he was so bad. I don't think we're going to get an Alex Rodriguez that's better than what we saw him last year, Tarvin, even if he's healthy. What was it last year in the playoffs? He was trying to get a girl's phone number as he was benched, <laughs> after he was benched. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got his priorities, man. I mean, I, I still you can't fault him for that. He's Derek. He's uh, he's like, hey, Derek, <laughs> check check this out. So I mean, just, hey, I, yeah, I guarantee I mean, just, you, if his if his if his bank account depended on that game. I think you would see a different A-Rod, but it's a lot easier when you're making that kind of money guaranteed, really. I mean, you can really get benched and not really care, but I don't know. A-Rod, to me, I mean, he could have been one of the best of all time. I mean, the best shortstop of all time, and then he moved positions, went to the Yankees, which kind of floored me a little bit. Then he just fell off the mat, man. I don't know. A-Rod, with a steroid issue, if if he had never used steroids, Trey, would he have been in, as good as he is now, actually, if you looked at his whole career? How long was he really taking steroids? Because I, I think he was taking them for a long time. Well, I mean, that's I mean that's the problem with once you get caught is you're kind of tainted. I mean, there's no way to know what you did and didn't do. And, you know, you're probably right. I mean, a guy like A-Rod, if he's hit again with this, you got to think that he's just the kind of guy who just kept doing it and hopes that he would never get caught again. So, you know, I'm just disappointed that, you know, his whole career has gone the way it is, all the money he's banking. Um, but, Tarvin, let me, before we get to our interview, I'm going to ask you this. I, I, this is a stat that, that went around um, this week. Uh, the New York Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla $1.5 million in, until 2035. So, Tell me that. Do you remember Bobby Bonilla from the 80s and 90s? Oh, I do. The big Pittsburgh Pirates guy. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the New York Mets have him under contract until 2035. The guy hasn't played in like eight years. I mean, this is, I mean, that kind of contract, and the reason I bring it up is the kind of contract the Yankees are in right now. They're going to be paying A Rod forever. I mean, the the Mets have Bobby Bonilla on on their roster's payroll. Until 2035. I mean, we're not even anywhere close to that. I mean, this just. I mean, these these clubs have to get bid enough to get rid of these bad contracts. I mean, I just, that 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 shocked me. Are you serious, Bobby Bonilla? I mean, I remember in the the National League Championship Series back in what was it '91. Yeah. He was there with the Pirates with Bonds, and he's still under. He's getting paid. That's that's about as bad as Jamarcus Russell still getting paid from Oakland right now. I mean, that should just tell you a little bit about these bad baseball contracts, and you wonder about your, you know, um, when when teams trade for money and all this kind of stuff. It just makes you, you know, when you see a contract like that that's still out there, I mean, you just, and uh, Paul Ewing just uh, just put it in the chat room. So check it out. I mean, what what a crazy crazy story that is. I mean, the fact that 
a million and a half dollars. No wonder I haven't heard from this guy, man. He's probably gardening right now. I mean, he's getting paid a million and a half dollars to do nothing. I mean, and for and for the next like twenty years. So good sure. job, Matt. You know, you, you you deserve this bad contract for doing something that stupid. Well, it is nine thirty-two Eastern, and we are honored actually to have Tennessee assistant coach Derek Lett with us live on air. Coach, how are you? And thank you very much for joining us. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on tonight. How's everything going with you? Oh, doing great. We're just very glad to have you. How's the vacation going? Uh, so far, so good. Just spending a little time with the family, getting uh, around Knoxville a little bit, seeing what the great city of Knoxville has to offer, eating at some good restaurants and whatnot. Just good to get out a little bit and uh, have a uh, breath of fresh air. Well, that's good. Get back up to Ohio, correct? I went back up there and moved my family now, so they they got here about two weeks ago. So now we're back in Knoxville. Whole family's intact. Getting ready for football season. Oh, cool. I have a familiar voice on the line. Sonia Minson's with us. How are you, Sonia? Say hello. Hey. What's going on, nephew, or should I say coach? How are we doing? How are you doing? <laughs> You're going to make me do something I swore I'd never do. Say go balls. I'll say go balls for you, but I'm actually going, we're going to come, Jason and I are going to come to the game, and I'm actually going to wear that sherbet orange just for you. <laughs> that, that's like the prettiest color in the rainbow, that that nice, beautiful <laughs> orange. <laughs> After that crimson. It's a, it's, it's the color of champions. <laughs> well, I think that would be crimson right now, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> and recent recent history would give you that. Oh, but the yeah, all time yeah. the all time winners program since nineteen twenty seven wears the orange and white. Okay. <laughs> oh, that is true. That is true. Yeah, coach, I'll, be a, <laughs> I'll be in Knoxville with you. I'll be in Knoxville watching you, coach. I'll bring my family. My in laws are big Vols fans. We will be in Knoxville, November, to watch the Auburn-Tennessee game. So looking forward to hopefully meeting you there. Oh, what I heard that would definitely set something up for that. And uh, we'll look forward to meeting your in-laws. That's going to be a big week for us as well. So, And Knoxville is a crazy well, come football time. It is. I've got to go one one time. I, I went a couple of years ago when Auburn played. It was it was crazy, so I'm expecting it to be crazy again. But it's it's almost time to get back to work for the Tennessee Vols coaching staff. So congratulations on the position at Tennessee, and and tell us what's going on in in Rocky Top right now. Right now, Rocky Top, we just uh, our, our guys are here and they're grinding. Team 117, they're uh, doing things they've never done before, as far as weight room, as far as running, and uh, you can you can see their bodies changing. Uh, our linemen are, are looking leaner and meaner. Our, our our skill guys are getting faster. Our backers and whatnot, they're starting to get traps, and they're, they're we're starting to look like an SEC team again. And that's what our guys are doing. And uh, before vacation, all the coaches they're just grinding and working the recruiting trail and tying up loose ends as far as the playbook and things of that nature, and just trying to figure out exactly how we're going to approach this fall camp here come August. But right now, the biggest thing going on is our guys are, are, are really buying in, really investing some time in the weight room and in the film room, learning a new system offensively and defensively, and really just trying to uh, develop an identity that our team wants to be here come uh, come August. 
So the the question, you, you kind of hit on it. One of the main questions I wanted to ask you, Coach, is when a new coaching staff comes in, what are you really trying to accomplish? How do you how do you get the kids to buy in to the new system of, of the new coaching staff, especially with the upperclassmen that, that's been through some tough times? Well, actually, the, the, with the upperclassmen being and going through some tough times, these these guys are eager. They're hungry, so they 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 uh accepted us with open arms. The whole process, uh, the the coaching staff, Coach John's staff, who was at Central Michigan and came to Cincinnati, and then now here, as as, as stated, that this is the team that has accepted them with the least amount of pushback than any team they took over, because these guys are so hungry. And Tennessee is so used to winning, and these guys are eager to win. What they're they're buying in right away, and uh, Coach Jones and the staff that we have are, are very 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 well put together. They work extremely well together. We work we work extremely well together. The players they see that and uh, they just enjoy it. And it's a fresher breath there. And uh, like the guys have mentioned, like it's a it's like a brand new feel when you walk into the to the coaches' offices, walk into the facility. That the coaches actually dealing, we care about the players, and that's one thing that really got the players excited and fired up. So the players are a hundred percent on board, and like they, like I said, they are hungry and eager and ready to win. And especially these upperclassmen, because they know twelve weeks go by really, really fast. Yeah, it sure does. And and Trey Patterson, my co-host, he's going to ask you a question, and then we'll rotate, and then we'll get Sonia and Jason in here for their questions, and we'll ask you questions from the chat room if that's okay. That's that's perfect. Hey, Coach Lutt, Trey Patterson here. Thanks for being on with us. Uh, and I want to ask you a question. You know, you're part of one of the more hyped programs right now. Um, really, there's, I mean, the amount of hype coming from Kentucky and Tennessee is just incredible. Uh, tell us about what, um, how you guys are bringing that energy to recruits and how you're bringing that energy to the fans. Because, I mean, Butch Jones has been uh, really sort of a, uh, you said breath of fresh air, you know, fresh start. Uh, what's it like, uh, I guess, coaching with him, and what's his style um, with the players? Well, first of all, Coach Butch Jones is uh, one of the most intense, emotional, personal guys you'll ever meet. And it all starts from him. He sets the tempo. He sets all that, and he's the reason why Knoxville is fired up. The staff is fired up. He the, just the energy that he brings. He he's one of those guys when he when he walks in a room, the room is just uplifted because of the energy he brings and the passion that he brings to the game of football. That you have no choice but to be intoxicated by it, and that's that's the biggest thing right there that uh that Coach Jones is bringing. That's why we're one of the hypest teams going on right now in Knoxville. And when recruits come. And they see the energy that uh, we bring as a staff from even the administration staff, people who are not not necessarily coaches but just part of administration, the passion they have that, that's leaking down from Coach Jones is just so, so intoxicating. And that's why the hype. And that's why everybody wants to get on board right now with Tennessee because we are we are the hottest team right now in America. And the thing that we're doing is we're going to try, continue to build on that with the passion that Coach Jones and the staff that we have. And like I said, it all starts with Coach Jones. If you ever get a chance to sit down with this guy, he's like in meetings, recruiting meetings, football meetings, whatever meeting may be, the passion just oozes out of him, and it's, it's so contagious. That's awesome. And, and this question, actually, I'm going to skip to the chat room. Bruce Cowart, uh, my father-in-law, a big Tennessee fan, 
you know, going over the years, he misses the, the old SEC play from the Vols. So how long do you think, or is it this year maybe, are you planning on being able to compete in the SEC East and beat some beat some big names like Alabama, uh, Florida, Georgia, and teams of that nature? It, it, it's hard to say right now exactly how, how fast it will be, but it's, it's going to come. It's going to come quickly. Uh, we want to see exactly what we have once fall camp starts. And, uh but like I said, the guys are working extremely hard. They're extremely hungry. And uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But with that being said, Coach Jones and staff, we we, we, uh, we notice the seriousness of this. And like Coach Jones always says, every day in the SEC is fourth and one. And that's how we're approaching work every day. So we're approaching every day like it's fourth and one. And uh, look for big things come, uh, coming next year or two. Here in Tennessee, and uh, we keep putting together recruiting classes like like we have been. We're gonna be okay. Tennessee Tennessee balls back. Put it that way. Exactly. I well, think I'm looking uh, at your schedule right now, Coach, and and I see Austin P and Western Kentucky, and I, and I know you're taking those games serious. But what are you doing to prepare for that September 14th game at Oregon with the up tempo offense and and you know. In the second half, it's just sometimes hard with depth issues to, to to get your wins, and actually some teams just you know collapse against Oregon in the second half. What are you guys doing right now in the off season to prepare for that? Uh, like I said, uh, our guys are running more than they ever ran before. I don't know if you keep track of Twitter and whatnot, but last week our guys had a pretty <laughs> tough workout. They, they ran fifty-two one hundreds at, at a very rapid pace. Fifty-two one hundreds. I didn't believe it until. Uh, I asked one of the players, did y'all really run 52-100? And they ran 52-100 last week in Neyland Stadium, actually. So those type of workouts right there, we're actually pushing these guys to the limit and then pushing them a little bit further. And more on the up-tempo thing, we run out. We have a pretty fast practice ourselves. So our guys would be ready. Uh, we, we we have a very, very fast practice pace. It's a constantly no no jogging. Everything is sprint to next drill, so it's pretty fast pace. So our guys should be pretty ready for the pace, hopefully. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that that Rocky Top Butch Jones offense too against Oregon. I'm ready for an SEC Pac-12 showdown, so I'm, I'll be pulling for you guys 110. percent It's gonna be a track meet. It's gonna, it's gonna be a lot <laughs> of running around. It's, it's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a track meet. But our guys are. Uh, not looking for, not overlooking Austin Peay or Western Kentucky, but we we know we got to do with Oregon. It's going to be a tough ta- tough task, but we're preparing for it. And coach, I want to ask you, uh, Trey, again. One of our questions from our we have a pretty loyal Tennessee fan in our chat room right now, and he was wanting to know about you know you guys lost uh, Patterson and Hunter out of the receiving core. Uh, are you guys? Um, is there? I guess um, you know a young player who the fans should start sort of paying attention to, uh, maybe coming into the next season who could break out. Uh, maybe that every fan doesn't know about. Uh, we have a pretty young receiving core all the way around, uh, especially with Hunter and Patterson leaving. That's eighty percent of our offense gone. Uh, I think our leading receiver had like fourteen catches coming back, coming back this year. But uh, we have a few young guys. Our, our, our whole team is here now. So Marquez North, uh, Ryan Jenkins, Josh Smith, uh, Jonathan Johnson, a JUCO guy that we got from Texas. All, all four of them came in, and they're all looking pretty good, picking the offense pretty well. 
it's hard to say right off the bat till we put the pads on and uh, the coaches get out there and see the young guys run around. But I can tell you right now, uh, if you just a guy that looks like a guy, I mean, mm-hmm. Marquez North, when he walks in the room, you'd be like, whoa, that's what it's supposed to look like. So he look, he looks like a million bucks. So hopefully uh, he, he can play. He came in highly touted. He's very quiet, mm-hmm. uh, very humble guy. He, he works hard. He's already looking at the offense. The team likes him. So hopefully he'll do some things. And Ryan Jenkins, Josh Smith, Jonathan Johnson, also Paul Harris, who's, a, who's just a freshman, but he went through spring ball because he it was the early entry. He, he's uh, improving daily. We, we have a whole bunch of young guys that are uh, eager to go, eager to run, eager to play. And Coach Z, the receiver coach, he's, uh, he, he, he does a phenomenal job getting young guys ready to play early. So uh, it's, hard to pinpoint yeah. a, it's hard to pinpoint a name right now. But uh, it's gonna be some guys that's gonna shock the world. So we 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 we'll be able to line up come uh, off the P week. Well, don't worry, coach. You just made somebody in our chat room very happy. They're very happy with that answer. They they like to hear those names and hear those players. They're gonna be watching uh, come Saturday coming up. Trey, Trey, do you have another one that you were gonna ask? Yeah, hey, yeah, I, I can go ahead, coach. Uh, no, yeah, hey, coach. Uh, just another um, another question about you know, what um, you know from the offensive standpoint with with Coach Jones. What do you think is the the biggest change that the fans are going to see come Saturday? Is it going to be an up tempo offense? Is it going to be you know a change in game plan uh, that's different than they've seen uh, in the past couple of years? Well, if you, if you watched Coach Jones' offense and Coach Coach Jake, uh, Coach Bajake, and offensive coordinator, his offense is pretty. Uh, Pretty upbeat, up tempo. We we try to run as many plays as fast as possible, and everybody knows that. Everybody knows that uh, we like to spread the ball around, get the ball into our, our playmakers in space. And uh, what you see is probably a more fast-paced offense than what Tennessee's seen in the past. Uh, not too much huddling, things of that nature, and just a, a but eleven guys just playing for each other each play. That's the biggest thing we want to do right now. That's the biggest thing we're, we're trying to get our guys to do is just play as fast as possible and uh, with each other. And uh, that's the biggest thing is the, the, the pace of the offense and then the togetherness of the offense. I'm sorry, Coach. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And we, we, we still have our offensive line returning, so we still going to do what – what we do with our offensive line. So we're going to be okay. Offensively, we're, we're going to be okay. So, uh, just faster. That's the goal, just faster. Okay. Sonia Minson is in now to your niece to ask you some questions. <laughs> no, I'm his aunt. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> he's, he's officially coach-led, so I'm going to address him. As <laughs> but coach-led, my question is, Coming from the Mid-American Conference as a player and as a coach and stepping into the, the the SEC, what do you see a major difference as far as the atmosphere, as far as the drive? Uh, what's the major difference that you see between the two conferences? The major difference is size from top to bottom. You, you, you got guys that look like, like polar bears out here playing, and in the, the mid American, in the mid American, you have one or two, three or four. You don't have a whole team of them, and that's what you have here at Tennessee and the SEC. And then in SEC, 
every school guy could run. Everybody's fast. Everybody was all American at their high school, and that's that's the biggest difference. In the Mid American, you have three or four guys, a guy that sneak into the, sneak through the cracks, things like that. In the, in the SEC, everybody's the best. Everybody's the best, and that's the that's the biggest difference as far as player wise. And then atmosphere wise, I mean, nothing goes to chance here. Everything, every little detail is uh, is scrutinized in the SEC, examined in the SEC. Everything is. Everything is watched under a microscope here in the SEC. Mid-American Conference, you could get away with some things as far as uh, not doing the little details because everybody was not that fast. Here in the SEC, one little mishap, one little split wrong or things like that, one little mistake, and you, get, you, you pay the price for it because everybody's that fast and everybody's playmakers. Okay. Well, what about um, – now, my second part of that question is <clears throat> having had the opportunity to work with Butch and, and, you know, get to know his personality and his mindset, how well – we've got a lot of new coaches coming into the, the SEC. Uh, well, not a lot, but you understand what I'm saying. It's like you've got Brett Belima, who's coming from the, the Big, Twin, Big Ten. So mm-hmm. how well do you think that, that Butch will adapt to the SEC style of play and, and how we do things here? Thinking about Coach Jones is he's he's he he knows that he doesn't know everything. He he's a he's a, a fountain of knowledge. He he always is calling, trying to figure out what's the next best move, how should we do this? If he doesn't know, he tries to find the answer, things like that. So he his biggest thing is don't put yourself in the box. Don't put us in a box. Don't do something that you've done in the past just because you've done it in the past. Will it work here? Will it work now? Is there a better way to do it? Is there a faster way to do it? Is there a more efficient way to do it? He's constantly asking us as coaches that every day in meetings. Should we do it this way just because we did it before? Should we call it this because we called it this before? Constantly trying to figure out the best way to do it each and every time. So we can have the most efficient practices, the most efficient games, the most efficient game plan, maximizing our players' talent and potential. So Coach Jones, and he's so eager, so hungry, and such a workaholic, he's going to be just fine in SEC. He's going to be just fine in SEC. <laughs> All right. And then my, final, my final question for right now <laughs> is, okay, you know how we have uh, different – there's always locker room material and, and things that uh, teams use teams uh, use to motivate their players and kind of give you that that's our target. Is mm-hmm. is there anything that Tennessee has right now, whether it's a game or, or something that somebody said trying to knock Tennessee or anything like that, do you guys have anything right now that's locker room material that's kind of motivating the players? We we don't have locker room material right now. The only thing that we have is everybody's picked us to be one of the last teams in the SEC. So that's what's fueling us right now. They they pretty much written Tennessee off. We lost four or five guys to the draft replacing our whole coaching staff, things of that nature. So right now we're we're fueling off of that. Uh, we're also feeling in the fact that we're we're Tennessee. We're one of the storage franchises in all of college football. That's our fuel. We play we, we have some Hall of Famers, some big time players that played in Needler Stadium. And that right there is fuel enough in itself that we're playing for these guys that laid a hell of a foundation for us and we gotta get that back. And that's one thing that's really fueling our guys. And so to answer your question, no locker room material just yet. Uh, except <laughs> when the when the reports come out saying Tennessee fifth in the East, 
tenth overall, things like that. That that gets the guys going a little bit. That gets the blood going just a little bit. So. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and I also have to say thank you to uh, to Andy, your beautiful wife, and your two beautiful <laughs> for uh, you know I know you're on vacation and they're sharing you with us. So I want to thank them and give them a shout out for uh, allowing you to uh, kind of give us a little bit of your time. And I definitely want to make sure that people know they can Google you, they can get information because you've got some, you've got a nice little history back there. I'm trying not to be too, too uh, homer <laughs> for my nephew, but you know, you've got some accomplishments that you can uh, definitely do and, and put a star next to. And I just want to let you know how proud we are of you. When you um, when you posted that news and the family knew, it just felt really, really good just to see how far you've come in your career from, from high school to college at Bowling Green and to now be an assistant coach in the SEC and hopefully moving up. But just don't forget your auntie and your uncle down here. You know, hook <laughs> it, 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 it's, been, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. Coach Z was very instrumental in getting me to the SEC. He and I have been, he and I have been talking for the ever since I played for him in college back in 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. And he and I have never lost contact. And uh, he knew I've been coaching ball for a while. And uh, we, we kicked the idea around a little bit. And uh, he called me out of the blue in January and was like, D-Let, I'm headed to Tennessee. And uh, I came down for a weekend, met with the coaching staff, talked to a few people, called a wife and said, boo, we're moving to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it, it happened. It happened really fast, but I'm, I'm blessed. I'm lucky. I'm learning a lot. Uh, it's a great opportunity, great atmosphere, and it's, it's the SEC. What can I say? Well, it's great to have you here. And, and one, I said one last question, but do you? What's your personal goal? Like, what are you shooting shooting towards? Do you want to be a head coach, an assistant? What's your personal goal? <laughs> Honestly, I do not know at this at this exact moment. I do want to be uh, have my own position coach here, be my own position coach here shortly. Head coach Farris, I don't know. Seeing what Coach Jones, all he, what all the the things he has to do, in and out, off the field, in and out of the office, things like that, it makes you think a little bit because he he has a, he has to wear a lot of hats at a lot of different times, and he has a lot on his plate. So uh, it makes you think. Do you really want to be? Uh, big time coaching and big time SEC program, like it makes you think a little bit. But I, I, I can't wait to have my own position group, and uh, I'm learning from Cozy right now, one of the best in the business, and uh, I can't wait to uh, have one of my own groups and uh, go from there. Awesome. All right, Tarvin, right. go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you, Sonya, very much for your questions and and getting Coach on. Coach, I'm going to ask you a question. If that's okay, and Trey's going to shoot it, and we'll close, if that's okay with you. That'll work. All right. Well, you surprised a lot of people. The new staff came in uh, at the end of last year, and did, you didn't have much time to recruit, but you ended up with close to a top 20 class. So what is your goal, actually, if all you coaches get together and talk with a full season under your belt after this season? What are your What are your goals in recruiting, actually? To have one of the top recruiting classes in the country. No question. That that's our goal. With with the relationships that we're building and the staff that we have and the facilities that we have and the history and the tradition of Tennessee football, there's no reason why we should not have one of the top five recruiting classes in the country. And that's our goal and that's how we approach it every single day. To be have the top recruiting class in the country. We want nothing but the best. 
we, we, we have the best facilities, the best tradition, so we're going to go out and recruit the best. And, that, and that's our goal is to be the number one of the top classes in, in recruiting each and every year. We're, we don't want a one-time deal or a two-time deal. Every year we're here, we're going to have one of the top recruiting classes in the country. And that's our goal, and that's what we work for every single day. That's a great answer, Coach. Yeah, it really is. Well, Coach, I got one more question from the chat room, and this kind of goes off what you know Sonia was telling, you know, talking to the, all our listeners about. You know, you played at Bowling Green. You were one of the best recruit. Uh, people talking about receiving cores in 2004. You were part of one of the nation's best. And so yeah. well, this question actually comes about that. You know, about your days playing uh, playing ball. Uh, one of our questions says, what was it like catching passes from Omar Jacobs during his record-setting 2004 season when you guys were, you know, one of the best in the country? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a blast. I'm, I, I loved Omar. He was a, he's a, a fellow Florida boy. We both came from Florida. Uh, believe it or not, I actually caught his first touchdown. His, he threw a fade. I forgot who it was against, and I caught his very first touchdown. <laughs> but uh, it was it was it was great to catch pass from Omar. He he uh he could sling the ball. He had really big hands, so he, he could throw the ball really really far, really really hard. And the, our receiving core, which was which was actually coached by Coach Z, who was not a receiver coach, I coached in, at, at Tennessee. We weren't any big not big name guys. We were all two star, three star guys. Uh, no All Americans, whatnot. But Coach Z built a group of guys. It was eight of us. And we just played for each other. We did everything together. I mean, ate together. We roomed together. We lifted together during the summertime. We hung out together off the field. We did everything together. And that's how we became the tightest core in all of college football. And that's the reason why it transferred onto the field. And we just played for each other. And that's, that's, the, most, that's the most thing I remember about college football. It's all my guys, all the receivers. We sat in the same chair at every single team meal. <laughs> <laughs> we used to compete who had the best suit. We used to compete who get the, who get to the uh, <laughs> who get the team dinner first. We used to compete who who was the fastest. We used to compete at everything, and that that has brought us closer closer together. And that's all a testament to what Coach D teaches. And I, I promise you, when when the balls roll out football, this upcoming ball, you'll see a different receiving court. You'll see a much tighter group. You'll see a much tighter group. Well, Coach, uh, that's a that's a great answer. Thanks for sharing some of your stories from your your, your glory days. Uh, tell tell all the fans, and we're going to get a lot of people listening to this show. Just who one love football, two love the SEC, and three love Tennessee. Tell them how they can you know follow you on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Tell them how they can contact uh, or you know follow you. What's going on with the Tennessee program? Tell give us all that information. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter, UT Coach Dlet. Uh, all U one word U T Coach D Let, and uh, for football we have uh, three or four different websites. We got VolQuest dot com, VolNation dot com. That's constantly being updated. So VolQuest is actually a really good one that we use a lot. Okay, well that's a, that's some great information right there. And and Coach, we just want to thank you again. It, at Way In Sports for joining us, and, and thank you for taking as much time as you did. I know we ran a little over, and, and we really appreciate you coming on, sir. Oh, thank you for having me, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, just keep keep following Tennessee football and uh, be on the lookout for us.
We will, and thank you very much. That is Coach Derek Lett from Tennessee, actually with a great interview, and we really thank him for coming on. And thanks, Sonia, for joining us on the interview as well. I believe I'm having a little studio difficulty, and uh, I think we're back now. Trey, is that you? Yeah, sorry, my phone was dying, so I appreciate it. Okay, great interview, man. Coach Lett, I, I tell you what, uh, Sonia and thanks for getting him on. He gets me fired up uh, about Tennessee football, Tarver. I mean, I'd already, you know, heard a lot about, you know, how much they're doing up there in, in Rocky Top, but, you know, hearing him talk about it, I, I think that, you know, I think the culture has changed. And I think, that, you know, from that interview, uh, man, I, I might have to reevaluate some of the SEC predictions. I don't know, Tarvin, but it's what a great interview. Well, if you're a Tennessee fan out there, and, and that's my second team, I'm married into it, so – if you're a Tennessee fan out there, you have to you have to like the fire of this coach, and and you have to like what they're doing at Tennessee right now. And like I said, Trey, these guys closed out with around a top 20 class with a new coaching staff, which is very difficult to do. And now you get some wins under their belt this year and a full year to recruit and build these relationships. I mean, recruiting's all about relationships, and if there's any indication of what we are tonight, Trey, you know, the future looks very bright for Tennessee. Well, you know. One of the things, and we you know we talked about it, whether it was Boston, you talk about it, whether you know it's for, for Tennessee is you know a lot of times one of the the key ingredients to having success or change is, is changing the culture with a group of coaches who who really want to be there and they really are excited to coach the players. And you just, I mean, I got that from Coach Led. I mean, everything about the way he spoke about the program uh, showed how excited he was uh, for the challenge. And you know, you can hear. Uh, that, you know, Coach Jones is setting the table there for them. So, you know, perhaps some very good things in store if you're if you're part of Rocky Top Nation coming up. All right, Trey, we're going to start taking callers now. We have the 213. I believe I know who this is. You're on way in sports. Who's this and where do you hail from? Come on, Brian. You don't know this number by now. <laughs> this is the number one. I know who you are. Man, Cuervo. How are you? Good, buddy. Thanks for listening. And what what did you think of the interview? I thought it was great. Uh, by the way, thank thank you so much, guys, for um, uh, you know asking that question to the coach. I really appreciate it. You know, because I mean, I, I don't necessarily always have all the time in the world to read up on uh, you know the the new guys coming in and things like that. But just just the two minutes that I did take to look at who we have as wide receivers now, I mean, that's something that I had to know. Uh, you know, who's who's going to be who's going to be the guy that fills in for. Hunter and Patterson. I'm not that they're going to put up the same numbers, but I mean, you know, the quarterback's got to have somebody to throw to. So, I mean, I was just wondering who, who's who's been that guy that's been showing some signs so far. And you know, like I said, that name Marquez North is going to be etched in my name now. So uh, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate that question. Uh, you you getting it to him? Absolutely. So Cuervo, your your thoughts? You're a big ball fan, and. And so is my father-in-law and some family, and I've spoken with them, but I want to hear from you. What's acceptable for you this year when you watch Tennessee play in this tough SEC conference? They have a tough road game at Oregon. I mean, that's no piece of cake, as you yeah. know. What, what, what will you be happy with this year and end result? Uh, you know, like I, like I said before, Tarvin, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a realist, and you can ask Sonny this too, uh, even when it comes to my own team, so – uh, if they could just be bowl eligible, get six wins, I'm I'm good with that. You know, I'm not going to be one of those those meatball homer type 
you know, fans and like, oh, we got to make it to the SEC championship or else it's a failure. No, that that's that's not that's not me. You got you got to think baby steps. It's a new coaching staff. You got you got new players coming in. It's a pretty young, uh, you know, pretty young team. So I think getting six wins and just getting back to being bowl eligible uh, should be good enough for Tennessee fans. And then and then go from there. Well, I have to tell you, I love coach. Butch Jones, guys, I love his philosophy. I love how how the players play for him, and I think Coach Lett, I mean, is a valuable asset to Tennessee, and I think he's going to learn a lot under Coach Jones. I mean, I think that was a great hire, and uh, I'm looking, Trey, I think the Vols are, are going to do some big things and possibly surprise a couple of teams that nobody thinks they will. Well, you know, Tarman, one of the things to consider about Tennessee, you know, and fire gets you, you only so far, but I mean, look, listen to their their away schedule this year. I mean, they uh, they're at Oregon the third game of the year. The next week they travel down to Gainesville, which you know is a pretty tough place to play. Uh, later on in the season in October, they're they're at Tuscaloosa. They're they're in Alabama, uh, and then at Missouri, which isn't as bad. And then they end the year at Kentucky, which you know who knows what we're going to see with Kentucky and their program is as fired up as they are. So. You know, I mean, that, that's three out of five really tough road games uh, if you're a Tennessee fan. So, you know, Tether, you know, man, that's just, that's just tough games right there, Tarvin. So I'm looking forward to that November 9th battle, Auburn and Tennessee. You have two new coaches um, coming in, first-time head coaches in the SEC, uh, the fast-paced philosophy. Man, this could be a game to watch with the offenses, you know, going 100 miles per hour. I'm excited to see that one. That could be a shocker, but you're right. That road schedule, Florida, Bama, I mean, Kentucky, come on, Trey. Let's let's get real right now. Kentucky's going to be Kentucky. I mean, they'll be lucky in a few years to win six games. I don't care how they recruit. They're not going to be able to recruit with the top dogs. But that South Carolina game in Georgia, that's just a brutal schedule when I'm looking at, at Tennessee's schedule, Cuervo. I mean, it's, it's, if you're a fan, you don't – I mean, you like to see the games, but it's also just brutal. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's why I say six wins. You know, six wins I think will will be a, a good start to um, you know Coach Jones's uh, career here at Tennessee. So, uh, you know, Oregon and Florida that's going to be two tough weeks, and then I mean Georgia, South Carolina. At least those games are at home, so they might have a chance at one of them. They might, depending on how good Georgia's looking by that time of the season. So, but um, you know, November ninth. I, I'm crossing my fingers that I can, uh, you know, spare a little time and drive on down there and, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, meet up with you down there at Neyland Stadium. That would be that would be really nice to do. So we'll we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I still I, I still remember you, you know, sending that offer out, and I haven't forgotten about it. Trust me. Yeah, come on down to to Knoxville. That's your home, and and join us. I'll be with I'll be with my family to watch it, and you know. The tough thing is on the ride back, somebody's going to be upset, and I'm kind of hoping it in a selfish way it's not me. <laughs> so well, of course not. People. I mean, I, I think we're we're wishing that we're wishing that on each other that we're, we're you know that that we don't go home disappointed. So, but it's all in good fun though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got a lot to look forward to, guys. It's July now. This is where 
football to me, Trey, it starts heating up right now. After July 4th, we're, we're going to shoot the bottle rockets in the rain, maybe, you know, blow some stuff up, and, and then all of a sudden it's time to focus on football because the next month it's starting. And, I mean, everybody has a chance right now. If you're in the locker room, if you can't motivate your team now, then there's a problem. Auburn should be chomping at the pits to get out there. Tennessee, after the disappointing seasons they had, Tennessee should be ready with a new coach and staff to come out and kick some butt. So I'm very excited, and I want to thank Coach Lett again for coming on the show for that great interview and spending 30 minutes with us and the great questions out of the chat room. And I want to thank Sonia Minson uh, for getting her nephew on here, Coach Lett. Just some great questions, some great answers, and, and I had a good time with it. Trey, anything on Tennessee before we move on? No, no, you know, but it does bring up the question, Tarvin. I think maybe we should preview um, Tennessee first in the SEC for Coach Light coming on. I mean, we should we should do some Tennessee talk next week when we do our first preview. What do you think? Well, I think we should. I think we're going to talk Tennessee and Cuervo. I know you're a big Vols fan. If you'd like to join us on that preview, you're you're more than welcome. Well, I'd be more than honored to, Tarvin. Thank you. Under one condition. Okay. You pick Auburn to you pick Auburn to beat Tennessee in your preview, <laughs> and I'll bring you on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know I'm, I'll have to get back with you then. I might have something right. scheduled at that exact <laughs> moment, so I have to get back with you. All right, I'll, I'll just hold you to it. I might mute you if you don't in between while you're talking during that if you're, if you're picking against them. So we'll see, we'll see. Trey, do you want to move us on to the next topic before we get out of here, buddy? Oh, let's see. Well, what do we got next, Tarvin? What do you mean? You're not prepared? What, did I put you on the spot? <laughs> well, well, I never know what on, you want Trey. to talk about. Hold on, Trey. Hold on, Trey. Before we do that, um, I have another commercial I need to play. And, guys, if you if you really, this is serious, if you need T-shirts, if you need designs, and we're going to do it way in sports, you got to use Action Wear. I'm going to play their commercial real quick while we take a little break, and we'll be right back. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Action Wear screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Action Wear, where your design comes to life. And use Action Wear Cuervo tonight. You know, place an order, get your favorite shirt. You know, go in, go in and visit them, and and everybody go support them. A great company. We're going to take a call from the six six zero area code. You're on Way In Sports. Who's this? Okay, I can I can take care of that real quick, Trey. I didn't like where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to preview the caller real quick, Tarvin, I can I can move us on to another topic. Uh, go ahead. All right, so uh, guys, we're going to move on and just talk a little bit about sort of one of the the topics that we kind of touched on last week that kind of broke was you know players getting arrested in college, and this is the kind of year or time of year, excuse me, that players get arrested and, and cause concerns for programs. Well. What happened this week that really made me scratch my head, and I can't believe, uh, I don't think it's a, it's a first for weigh-in sports ever talking about a place kicker, <laughs> um, but, but Georgia's place kicker was arrested this week 
foreboding under the influence. And I, I could not, it was a, such a funny story, and I don't like to laugh about, you know, <laughs> drank, you know dri- any kind of driving incidents, but, I mean, boating under the influence and you're your kicker. I mean, Tarvin, what do you think about this kid? That is that is hilarious. I mean, uh, I think Sonya's keeping a, a former cup out there with all the arrests, so... So welcome to the club, place kicker. You're on the list now. But I've, I've I've heard of you know you can't boat and drive you know and ride you know drive a boat and everything. But I've never seen a football player arrested for it. I think it's kind of sad that that these guys, Trey, they can't look at the news every day and see what's going on and look in the mirror and say, today we're not going to screw up. Today I'm not going to get on a boat and get arrested for B, uh, BUI. So it's, it's just a sad day in sports, man. I don't know what's going to wake these kids up. Yeah, I mean, you know, another you know, Texas A&M lost two starters as well who were arrested, and they're they're um, they're in doubt now for the Alabama game. So, you know, you just but these are off season. You know, I tell you, we we've been talking about it, we've been previewing it. It's going to come. Well, you know, Georgia, you know, place kicker gets arrested this week. You know, Texas A&M they have two starters <laughs> um, missing for the Alabama game because of arrest. So, you know, I mean, this is now starting to. You know, if you haven't already been keeping up with it, you know, here it is. It, now it's July, and guess what? Uh, it's not the you know, rest are happening, and they're affecting teams' uh, rosters. Well, Trey, you're looking at it right now, man. If you're a coach, it's hard to go to sleep at night because you're you're wondering, who's next? Is my team next? Am I going to be the one in the news? I mean, it's a very stressful time right now. And, and Cuervo, what do you do? If you're going to keep your players out of trouble, what do you do? What can you say as a coach to to get their attention? This is July. The season's about to start. So anything you do now is probably going to land you a suspension for the first few games of the season. Well, then that's what you got to do. I mean, that's one thing that you got to take. You got to take the things away from the players that mean the most of them. And what means the most of them is playing time. Is it going to hurt your team? Yeah. But at the same time, you, as a coach, you've got to send a message. And that message is, you know, you cannot tolerate that. It, you know, it's funny, too, uh, Brian, because we, we talked about Georgia and we talked about Mark Rick, what, just a couple of weeks ago about yep. what he's going to do to save his job. And now he's got guys going out there, you know, doing stuff like a, a BUI, which I've, I've never really <laughs> Heard about that before, but yeah, I mean, it just cracks me up every time I hear that. <laughs> I mean, but it's the truth. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So now the question comes up again weeks later: What does Mark Rick do to 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 not necessarily save his job, but to keep his his team in line? Uh, that's a good question, and God, Trey, I mean, but what what are they going to do, in your opinion? What can they do to ensure this doesn't happen? These players aren't living in dorms anymore; they're living in their on their own in apartments, and they are kids. So, what what can you do, Mister Lawyer? Well, you know, Georgia, and you know, Georgia's kind of already. You know, if you're wondering, well, what does Georgia do? And most schools have policies on this kind of stuff. And Georgia's policy uh, for DUIs, at least, is a two-game suspension. So, I'm kind of curious, Tarvin, if one, if they have a a BUI, a voting under the influence policy, and you know whether it carries a similar penalty. Maybe it's more harsh. I don't know. Uh, but there definitely is at least a two-game suspension. For uh, for DUI at Georgia, so I mean they've, they've kind of tried to address it already. 
I'm sure Mark Rick will Mark Rick is strict when it comes to when you do break the rules, he does lay the hammer down for most instances. So I'm sure, you know, he's gonna get suspended more just for the embarrassment to the program because it'd be different if you you know, you beat up a bouncer, you're a tough guy, but a BUI. <laughs> I mean, that's a <laughs> I mean, you're a kicker for God's sake. Well, I mean, you're. I mean, I, I, I guess you look at a kicker. What can you expect? You know, I mean, you don't expect too much. You think, you think of kicker non-contact. So he's on a boat with a few beers. <laughs> but I don't know, guys. It just cracks me up to to hear it. But you know, Texas A&M two starters, guys. Like you said, Trey, assault. And this off season is going to be bad. That's two starters off the team that lost a lot in a way. You know, they lost their offensive coordinator. I believe they lost some big linemen. So you have Bama early on in the season, Trey, and now all of a sudden you're missing two starters probably, possibly for the whole season. How do you how do you overcome that? Well, you know, this is this is you know, this is where depth matters, this is where, you know, people on your bench matter. Um but, you know, we we don't know how far these guys are gonna go when it comes to losing games. But we know that, you know, it's it's cornerback uh Everett, uh, DeShazer Everett, and Safety Floyd Raven, um, they've been suspended right now from all team activities, and we don't know how long that's going to last. It probably will be outcome uh, determinative based on, you know, what happens with that court. So, you know, but again, you know, Tarvin, you're talking about, you know, you have to preach to these guys that if you get arrested, you know, you're really going to not only hurt yourself and your, your own value, but you're really putting the team in a pretty tough spot, and that's where, you know, Alabama doesn't need any extra help. So, you know, Texas A&M, pretty bad. Here's here's the deal, Cuervo, what you can do, okay? You're a coach, you're a university. If you get arrested as you're a player in that school, what you do is you lose your scholarship, you, you sit out a year, and you take out a loan in your name to pay back the first year. So the $50,000 you received from the school you're going to receive, you have a loan and you pay that back. Money comes out of your family's pocket and yours for the rest of your life until you pay it back. What do you think? Wow, that's a pretty uh it's a pretty tough punishment, but I tell you what, that kid would learn his lesson, wouldn't we? He'd learn his lesson real quick. So, um I mean I, I, I mean that's that's a real tough punishment, but I mean you, you I get what you're saying though, Brian. You know, the he would the kid would learn his lesson, that's for sure. Unless he's one of them hard headed ones and he goes and he does it again then and then at that point he would just lose his scholarship altogether. Maybe that's what you know punishment well, number two would be. But uh well, I yeah, mean, he, he stays in school though. He stays in school. He doesn't you know, he he doesn't lose it. But could you imagine going home for that Christmas break and um uh, dad working in that factory with that loan in his name now? Imagine that that butt kicking you're going to get when you go home. I mean, taking money out of people's pockets is the the deterrent, in my opinion, Trey. You start taking money from people and penalizing them, that's how you get their attention. Well, I mean, a lot of these kids don't have um, – they're only on football scholarships from very, very uh, poor family uh, backgrounds. So I don't know if that would work. But. Who cares? Who cares? You, you're paying it off. It'll be in your name for the rest of your life until you pay it off. So. Yeah, that's just yeah, the way it goes. Turn up, man. But, you know. <laughs> Those are the breaks, but, yeah. man. Those are the breaks. Yeah, I think you take football from these kids. That's the way to go. And I think that's what some of these programs are starting to do. Is you got to mandate a policy. You got to mandate a punishment. You know, so you know that way they know that you know, hey, 
Uh, you don't have the kind of scenario where, you know, star player has the same arrest as, you know, third string kicker and, you know, <laughs> you know the punishments are different. you gotta, you got to have some sort of consistency. And that's, at least what Georgia did with DUIs, with the two-game suspension, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, I just find that, you know, I mean, it's hysterical that a kicker, a kicker gets arrested and it's for some random offense. You know, so just, you know, if you're a kicker, you know, and that's the way you make news. Well, exactly. And, guys, I want to stay in college football real quick. And, and I was reading through the recruiting this week, and, and, Trey, I saw Virginia, Virginia now, not Virginia Tech, the Virginia Cavaliers signed two of the top players in the nation in the top ten. I mean, what is Virginia doing there uh, off the top of your head, if you know? You may been, you may not know right now. Oh, uh, yeah. I, what they're doing, who knows? I mean, uh, I, I saw that news as well, and it was like, wow, you know. But you know, UVA, depending on you know area, I mean, Virginia has drawn certain kids at certain times. They're kind of one of those programs that every once in a while will get a really you know number one quarterback or number one receiver. I mean, they're the kind of program that will do that every now and again. So, not, I wasn't you know terribly surprised, but at the same point, I was terribly surprised if that makes sense. I'm very, very, very surprised. Usually Cuervo players of this caliber, they don't commit, especially this early in the season. And especially, I mean, if you expect them to commit, it's to right now the Alabamas, Ohio States of the world, not to Virginia. Right. And and I'm looking at the list right now, and, and call it a coincidence if you want, but both of these guys are from Virginia. So they're, they're, uh, their reasoning must have been that they, they want to stay close yep. to home so that's the only thing I could think of but you're right I mean Virginia is not necessarily the school that they're going to win a national championship at so um, that's the only thing I could think of is just want to stay close to home yeah but sometimes staying close to home is not enough especially when you're talking about Virginia but that is a good point um, I just wanted to know if you knew of anything else going on but this last topic I want to talk about before we go guys we got to get out of here and enjoy our fourth and if you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. And both of you guys know Michael Dyer. Uh, he, you know, MVP of the national championship game his freshman year, a big-time five-star running back that got kicked off the team at Auburn or he left the school. He went to Arkansas State. Gus Malzahn kicked him out. He's, re, he's actually, you know, turned it around, and he's wanting a third chance. And do you think, Cuervo, that Michael Dyer deserves a chance to say, hey, does he deserve a chance to come back and play at Auburn, or, or B, does he deserve a chance to go anywhere he would like to play? No, I, I don't think so. I think I think he's already used up all of his chances, honestly. I mean, you, you didn't learn the first time. What makes you think you're going to learn the, the second, third, fourth time? So my 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 opinion, no, I, I think I think he's done. He should be done. Yeah, yeah, Tarvin, I, I'll agree with Cuervo on this. I totally agree with Cuervo. I mean, you know, you only are talking about this kid because he's so talented. And I think, you know, this is the kind of double standard that some of these kids get. I had, you know, if Michael Dyer is, you know, a less talented running back, then, you know, he doesn't even get an opportunity. <laughs> this kid's wasted, this, he's wasted two of them already. So I think if you want your program to have any kind of um, – really reputation for, for this kind of matter when, when you pick someone out the team or is it going to be the program that says, Oh, well, we only, we only take it serious if you're really, if you're not that good. 
So, you know, this is one of those credibility things with Auburn for me is if, you know, if Auburn takes him back, you know, you kind of scratch your head and go, well, you know, I guess, you know, I guess Auburn gives you as many chances as they can if you're really good. Well, I, I disagree in a way with both of you, and, and I'll tell you why. When I, I mean, he is talented, Trey, and it, it is a reason I would like to see him get another chance is because he is so talented of a of a running back that kids make mistakes, they screw up, they get with the wrong crowd. I mean, he's raised by his uncle. He left Arkansas to come to Auburn, actually. And you know what? He just got – he was a freshman. He got famous very quick and got in with the wrong crowd. But I think sometimes we are too quick to throw these young men away. And the next thing you know, instead of Michael Dyer playing football at uh, Arkansas State or a smaller school – I mean, I think he should be playing in, in anywhere he wanted to if the coach would allow it. If a coach wants him, I think go get him. But I think we throw him away and he ends up doing something, working a job he hates because of a mistake. And that happens. When you're a man, when you're an adult, you're going to pay for your mistakes. But I think at this stage in his life, if you have evidence that he actually turned it around, I think he should have another opportunity to play, guys. I guarantee you this regardless of if he plays at an SEC school, Big Ten school, or a big school, he will be in the NFL, and some team will take a chance on him. And you know what? There's less miles on those tires. He would have stayed three years at Auburn if he would have stayed and went to the NFL. And now Cuervo, I mean, he's had a couple years, as long as he stayed in shape, he's going to make somebody a good NFL running back. Yeah, and, you know, and it all depends on if there's a coach out there that's willing to take that chance. I mean, the I, Raiders, I get, I the Raiders. The Raiders. <laughs> well, the Raiders will take anybody, Brian. We know that. But I mean, you know, he's got to get through college though first. You know, step. You know, you know, take it one step at a time. But I mean, I get what you. I, I get your point of view because you look at guys like Tyron Matthew, right, the Honey Badger, who we we love talking about during the draft. And that guy got into trouble, you know, so many times with drugs and things like that. Look at him now. He's going to be playing with, with, with this old college yep. buddy, Patrick Peterson, in Arizona. So, I mean, can it happen? Yes. I just, I just think that, you know, you gotta, you got it, to – it's a fair question to ask, guys. Is it really that the wrong crowd – Found him, or did he go find the wrong the wrong crowd? Like, Dave, does does he attract himself to that to that wrong environment, and then he just winds up in trouble, and uh, you know he, he's back to square one again. So I, I mean, we really don't know. We really don't know if if it was him or if it was the people around him. Well, guys, I want to tell you this: it wasn't Trey just because he's at Auburn and great running back, and Cuervo can attest to this. I was for the Honey Badger getting drafted and, and getting a chance to to do what he was born to do and to play football. Yes, he made mistakes, Trey, but I was all for him getting drafted, and I was very pleased with where he ended up. Well, I mean, Tarvin, there's you know to bring your point, there's there's getting involved with the wrong crowd, and there's being the wrong crowd. You know, Michael Dyer seems to be the wrong crowd. He got a second chance at Arkansas State and didn't do a whole lot with it. The NFL is different, though, Tarver. I mean, you know, whether he goes to the NFL and they give him a third chance is different. But, you know, Auburn biting off the same poison apple that, you know, has burned them before, to me, is bad news. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, hey, guys, great points, you know, out there. All of them are respected. All your opinions are respected. And, hey, we want to thank everyone tonight for joining us. This show will be staff picked starting at 
uh, midnight, uh, Thursday night or Friday morning, we should say. So make sure you tell everybody about the episode, forward the link to them, make sure they come and follow our show. And I want to give a shout-out to to Derek Lett's mom, Trey, is in the chat room right now under RBS. We'll give her a shout-out. She's very proud of her son and what he's accomplishing and what he's doing with his life. I just want to give her a shout-out. Well, you know, she's raised a good young man who's uh, an exciting coach for the University of Tennessee, and we're really proud to have him on. So, you know, thank you for joining us as well. And his family is listening in. We want to say thank you uh, for allowing him to come on and, and taking time during this, you know, tomorrow the day off of work and a lot of people are chilling. Just want to thank him and his family for coming on here and, and actually spending time with us. I know a lot of Tennessee fans are fired up now. I'm fired up. Trey's fired up. So we're all all looking forward to having him back on. I mean, just a great man. And, you know, Trey, I'm, a, I'm more of a Tennessee fan tonight than I was when I, before we called in here. Well, you know, one of the things that it, it, this does, you know, we have a lot of diehard Auburn and Georgia and, and Alabama fans who really listen to our show, and one of the things that it does is it puts, you know, there are really good people working for programs that you may not root for and that we all can understand that, you know, hey, you know, for, at least for a day or two while you're hearing that what he has to say, I think we can all wear a little orange. I mean, that was a great interview, uh, obviously a great individual, and you really hope the best for him and that program. And, at least if they're not playing your team, I think what most SEC fans would say. Yeah, and I just want to tell Lisa Carson, his mom, you've done a great job with him. And he is he's turned out great, and the sky's the limit. And we're excited to see, you know, what he does from here on out. I'm excited to see him on those sidelines. Hopefully he'll, he'll have amnesia about coaching November 9th when we come to town. But other than that, I hope he wins all of his games, even against your mighty tide, Sonia. So, Cuervo, I want to thank you for coming on and joining us, everybody in the chat room. We had a great time, and, and we really enjoyed it. We'll be on Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. And, Cuervo, um, that being said, you're starting back on Saturday and Sunday, correct? Uh, yeah, we're going to – I got to talk with Sonny. I don't know if we're going to do it right after sports talk with the guys or we'll just do something Sunday morning. But, uh, you know, get in on our show. We're going to start uh, doing uh, NFL uh, divisional previews as well, either starting this weekend or the following. So they're coming real soon. Well, that being said, uh, the Couch Potato and Cuervo do a great job. The NFL talk, guys, is very, very in-depth. So they talk it all, but that NFL is very in-depth. If you need some advice on your fantasy team coming up or, or you know, who's going to win this year, you got to check it out. Sonny hates the Dallas Cowboys. You would think he does by listening to him, but he really doesn't. But he does some writing for the Dallas Cowboys as well. He secretly so loves Tony, Brian. Yeah, I think he. I think he has a man crush on Tony Romo. What do you think? <laughs> I don't even think man crush is the name for it. I don't. I think it's more than that. Okay, good. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out Cuervo and Couch. On that being said, and sports talk with the guys on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So thanks, everyone. Great show. I'm excited. I can't wait to play. I don't usually play shows back, Trey, but this one I'm going to rewind and play again. Yeah, absolutely. And just let everybody know, you know, we, I've been telling everybody it's next Sunday, Tarvin and I will break down Tennessee's schedule. So, you know, in honor of Coach Luck coming on, that will be our very first uh, schedule breakdown of the year. Um, we'll do Tennessee. Uh, and we'll have some NFL starting breaking some schedules down for the NFL and some conferences as well. So, you know, July and August, Tarvin, by the end of this thing, and by the time the season rolls around, 
you and I will have broken down all the NFL and all the conferences in college football and um, and a lot of the big programs in college football. So I'm ready for it, Tarvin. Yep, and everybody out there, get your pen and paper ready and write this down so at the end of next year you can you can talk and let Trey know that, that he was beaten again. I don't want him to back out of it. <laughs> You know, and I'll pick him this time. And, and we are going to have our pick em competition again that Trey started last year. Trey did a great job of picking the NFL and college games. And you go through and you pick your winner. There's no point spread. And if you win the competition, you get to co-host the show, the following show, and go over all the picks. So we lost a few times last year, Trey, but for the most part, we actually pulled it out. Yeah, and it shows you this, you know, how hard it is to beat it, to beat the host. So, you know, get ready for Beat the Host again. Uh, you'll have a good chance to really preview how we're going to do because we're going to give you what we think about these teams and conferences going into the the, the year. So, you know, you'll have your, you'll have your shot uh, for all those listening. All right, guys, we're closing now. Thank you very much for joining us, 9 o'clock Eastern Sunday night. Join us for another big show. and we're It's football time now, so get ready. If you're missing your football talk, you better join us and tell everybody about us. Until then, have a great 4th of July tomorrow and a safe weekend. Thank you. Good night. believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days.